Hey, hey, C5, this is Randy Drawn, and I'm here with Matt Avery bringing words of encouragement. No, stop that. (laughs) I don't even know what to say here because C5, that sounds like some kind of energy drink or something. (laughs) What does that mean, Matt? That is short for Congregation 5, Randy. Do you want a better name? Like when y'all start your campus, are y'all going to have your like campus nickname? Yeah, I was thinking about like the Wild Stallions, <laughs> something like that. C5 sounds like a cell block in a jail. It does. <laughs> well, hey, we're here today to talk about uh, what's been going on. We've been in shutdown mode for the last few weeks and wanted to bring words of encouragement to your core group and yeah. the community that's coming together to plant this new campus. Mm-hmm. So Matt, give us some details of what's been going on and what's happening with your people. Yeah, in a weird roundabout way, this has been kind of a fun season for me because I I feel like a parish pastor. I feel like I'm doing more pastoring now than maybe ever before. And instead of walking the neighborhood and knocking on doors and visiting people, it's walking the neighborhood and calling people and praying with people and hearing what's going on and believe God is doing some beautiful things, but it's it's also hard. Some people are feeling really isolated. Um, Some people who are, are single or feeling really isolated and lonely. And this feels like just a giant spotlight on this place in their life that is the most painful place. Yeah, isn't it crazy? Nobody ever plans to plant a church in a pandemic. No. Like you don't think that's the perfect time to plant a church. <laughs> but actually, this isolation is bringing about some fruit in this community that you're leading. Yeah. Well, one thing in particular that has been really funny and fun to think about is several weeks ago, I was sitting there thinking, you know, what we have going on right now, it's a unique and it's a beautiful problem to have, which is most core groups are 15 to 20 people and ours, we're averaging 60 people a night on Sunday nights. And so that's beautiful, but the small group venue, it's the easiest way to build community. And I felt Mm -hmm. like that's what we didn't have. And so now for the time being, we have these temporary Zoom small groups that we're putting together for all of our C5 people that aren't already in a a small group through another congregation. And just think that's one of these small ways that, or maybe big ways, that the Lord is doing something beautiful and giving us a good gift that we didn't ask for, but that we needed. And it's really beautiful how the Lord seems to be working through this season all across the Midtown movement. But I know that you guys have been studying stories in the book of Acts yeah. As ways to kind of prepare yourself and to really unite yourself around the fire of y'all's values. And you have a really great story for us today, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. We, we got cut off. We had our, um, our last Sunday night meeting was, was the first of two weeks that we were going to spend in this story, the Philip meeting the Ethiopian eunuch. And so this is in Acts 8, 26 to 40. And this is a crazy story. I mean, you're going to read it for us, but this is like the first Star Trek uh, story in the entire Bible, right? (laughs) Where somebody gets teleported or transported from one place to another. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. As with most things in Acts, it's wild. Yeah. (laughs) Well, take us to it, man. Why don't you read the passage for us and then kind of walk us through it? Sure. This is uh, Acts 8, 26 through 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. 
And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shears is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. What a great story. But it starts, this story starts out in the middle of the desert. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I love that because, you know, I was getting ready for this a few weeks ago before all of this COVID-19 got rolling. And uh, now as I look at it again, I see this beautiful thing, this beautiful truth that this angel shows up and calls Philip to the middle of nowhere. He calls him not to a town, not to a, a city or even a house, but just to take this road to nowhere and to this desolate place. And I think for a lot of us, this time that we're in here feels like a desolate place. Yeah. And so many people are fearful. So many people are feeling isolated. So many people feel the loss of work or, or productivity or profit. It just feels dead and desolate. And I believe that just like Philip, uh, the Lord has called us to this desert place hmm. and that he has something for us. He has some beautiful good gifts for us. Isn't it crazy how much of our lives we spend trying to never go to the desert place? <laughs> we order our lives in such a way, a way that we never get to the desolate place. Oh, uh, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but here in the story, God is calling Philip to this faraway, desolate place. And tie that to us, man. What are you seeing there? Yeah, man. I mentioned this in the, the pastoral video that I sent out that went out yesterday, but I feel like what God is doing in my life and and maybe a lot of our lives is I just feel like I'm coming down off of a lot of highs, that there are a lot of things in my life that I use to be okay. Hmm. And um, some of those things I knew were there and I just didn't know how deep it went. Some of those things I didn't even know were there, but all of this shutdown is just like a a really intense being kidnapped and taken to rehab and all of a sudden all my drugs are gone and I'm coming down and it doesn't feel good. And so there's times that I feel really scared. There's times that I feel restless. I think for me, that's the biggest thing. It's just feeling very restless and maybe anxious sometimes. And instead of pulling back from that and trying to find and finagle ways to feel normal again, 
I believe that my father is saying, hey, you're normal is, is not good. It's pretty common in our culture to not believe that anything good ever happens in the desolate place. Mm, mm-hmm. Our FOMO would never allow us to give up our crazy world that we keep building more and more spectacular things yeah. to try to fill a void. Instead of experiencing very significant things, we replace it with things that we can manage, like things that are spectacular. What's the next show? What's the next event? What's the next restaurant? Yeah. What's the next sporting event? Like, can you believe that all sporting events have actually been shut down? Who would have ever believed that? No. And yet all of that is gone now, and it forces us to ask the question you're asking, which is, is there anything good in the desolate place? Yeah, for us as individuals, it's believing that, for me at least, and for a lot of us, the reason that I feel so restless is because I'm so used to being so busy because there's some safety for me in being busy that I don't have to see myself in ways that I don't want to see myself. I don't have to be honest about who I am and what I depend on and what brings me life or where I'm trying to find life. Hmm. So in, in these desolate places, God is inviting me and us to come and really find life in him in ways that we maybe didn't believe that we could, despite what he says to us. We believe something about ourselves that he wouldn't love us enough to do that for us or uh, that maybe he's not as good as he says he is. But I think he's holding our hands and walking us into those fears. Uh, Dave Burden, a few weeks ago in another conversation, referenced the scene in Batman Begins where Batman was so afraid of of bats because as a kid he fell into that cave. And so as an adult... He goes down into that bat cave and all the bats come streaming out and he just stands in the midst of it all. And I believe that's what the Lord's doing for me as he's, he's calling us into these fears that we have and uh, telling us to stand up in them so that he can heal us. Yeah. You were telling me earlier that this time of, of isolation, this time of the desolate place is a gift from God. And, you know, what's interesting to me is that a lot of people that may be listening to this that are in your core group may not feel like their lives have completely shut down. They may may feel like that their lives has actually ramped up Mm. because they get kids at home and now they're homeschooling kids and they're cooking three meals a day and they're around around people nonstop. Mm -hmm. And that desolate place may not feel like an isolated place. Right. Um, It may feel like a very different desolation, but it's still different. Yes. Our comfort zones. But you kept telling me the other day that this is a gift from the Lord. You know, as I talk with folks, you know, one side of the coin is it, it's difficult for people who are lonely and feel isolated. And then the other half of the coin is to feel lonely and isolated in a house full of people. Right. To have little kids. And, you know, we're, we're in that struggle. Lee and I are in that struggle. And a lot of our friends are in this place. But that's another place of fear for a lot of people is the busyness keeps me from having to face up my wife, mm. keeps me from having to face up my kids. And the Lord, I believe, is using this, if we'll let him, to bring healing to our families. Like in this story, Philip wasn't sent to a desolate place to be by himself. He was actually sent there to uh, be with somebody else. And yeah. how a lot of times in that place, the Lord brings people our way. Absolutely. That's what I I want for us is, you know, we've talked about this a lot in our C5 meetings, but to deconstruct this terrible, false picture of evangelism that we've inherited from our 
culture and yeah, to... that's kind of a dirty word in <laughs> evangelism. <terrible>. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, so much cringing happening right now. Right. As people are listening to this, but then to have the Holy Spirit reconstruct that this is actually a a beautiful gift that God gives us. I mean, I, I just think about this story. An angel was sent for this man, for this Ethiopian eunuch, but the angel yeah. didn't get sent to the eunuch. He got sent to Philip. Yeah. Because I believe God wanted to give Philip a good gift and have him be a part of what he was doing. And so that's a, a prayer that I pray for our people all the time is that it would be our joy to be used by God uh, as vessels for him to bring people into this community, into his family. And so, yeah, a really practical application for us in this season is to be intentional about who we're with. You know, be, behold, we're, we're in this desolate place, whether that's our apartment or we went back home with our families or we're uh, in a house full of people and behold, um, these people were there. Yeah. That, that there's an intentionality that the Lord is, is sending us to specific people in this season. And whether that's us going there via phone or Zoom, um, being intentional about calling people who we don't know where they are spiritually and walking with them. It was really healing for me early in my walk with Christ when I thought about evangelism, when I remembered the people that God had sent into my life mm. and how for them, I wasn't a program and I wasn't somebody to rescue. I was their friend that they loved. Absolutely. And I think this is a story here because Philip seems to look past uh, just another notch on his evangelism belt and actually sees and cares about uh, the plight of this guy. You were telling me about that the other day that... Um, what it looks like to move in love toward the people in your life. We see things in this passage that they don't repel us, they actually draw us in. When yeah. you think about the way this passage describes evangelism, it's something that I want to be a part of. And I think about, it says that when he got to that desolate place and saw the Ethiopian eunuch, the Holy Spirit said, hey, go move toward that man. What is an Ethiopia eunuch? Like, <laughs> what is the... What do we know? What's the story here about this guy? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit in our last launch meeting when we were getting into this passage, but this man to have this high position in the Ethiopian queen's court, he would have been castrated yeah. at, at an early age too. And so uh, when they castrated these guys, they took everything. Hmm. And uh, doing that at an early age would not only bring the the shame and embarrassment that we could imagine, but it would also really mess with your hormones hmm. and uh, really feel like kind of a stranger in your own body. Yeah, and and you certainly weren't going to have a family, and back then, especially this whole idea of having a lineage was very, very, very important. So this man is is lonely in every way possible, even lonely into the future, and feels desolate and shamed and and less than. And yet he has experienced a, a lot of success in his life. I mean, here he is. Yeah. And yet his success has not been able to replace his hunger for something more. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so here, God invites Philip into this man's life. And I love that this is so freeing for us that he just says, every step of the way, Philip is not the one driving the car. Philip is just listening to what the Lord's doing. Yeah. Say that again, man, because I think we get so twisted yeah. around the axle when it comes to evangelism that we think it's something we're doing. Say that again. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is driving the car the whole way. Yeah. 
that's part of the gift to us is we're just along for the ride. And God's saying, hey, actually what's happening here is none of this depends on you. I'm just giving you a front row seat to something really cool. Yeah. And so here he says, go to this desolate place. Okay, now go talk to this man. Just go into his life. And, and I'm not going to tell you what he's going to say. I'm not going to tell you where he is or, or what he's thinking or feeling. I just want you to move into this man's life with this phrase we talk about a lot, gospel intentionality. It's just doing life with gospel intentionality. So, you know, as we're getting out of the house to take walks and maybe some of us are meeting our neighbors for the first time, it's just moving into their lives. And what that looks like is, hey, my name's Matt. How are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. How are you feeling? Right. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And just from wherever, wherever we are, wherever that starting place is, just moving towards somebody. Hmm. In verse 30 here, Philip goes to the man and he heard him reading Isaiah and he said, do you understand what you're reading? Right. And uh, the people that we're going to come across, they're not all going to be reading scripture, but they're all going to be searching. And I think there's a way in which when we move toward people, we're asking them, do you understand what's happening in life? Do you understand the way that you're feeling and why you're feeling the way that you're feeling and what you're hungry for? The ways in which we engage with people, we're leading them to ask and and answer those questions because we believe that all of those questions are answered in Jesus ultimately. Mm -hmm. And what I love here is, and this this is such a, a knife to the, to the root of all of our crappy understandings of evangelism, when this man says, no, I don't understand, will you come and sit with me? Anything that the Lord is asking us to do in this whole area of evangelism is going to be done with such gentleness and love and humility and courage that we're going to find ourselves in a place, if we're following the Holy Spirit into this, that these people are going to invite us to sit with them in these questions and walk with them. Yeah, it was one of my mentors years ago that really transformed my understanding of evangelism because I thought that evangelism was me having all the right words yes, and the right outline <laughs> and knowing exactly where in Scripture to take people. Yes. When I realized maybe the greatest evangelism tool I have is my ability to listen. Absolutely. And I, I just listen because when you start listening, you start to hear where people are and you start to mm. hear where they're struggling and what they're not understanding and where their hunger is. Yeah, there's a beautiful, I feel like I'm saying beautiful a lot. And that's, that's okay, because we love beauty. <laughs> <laughs> there is a statement, a phrase that is stuck in my head from somebody that I've learned a lot about evangelism from that said, in sharing the gospel, it's sitting with people, it's asking questions, it's listening, it's moving toward them. And the phrase is, it's finding the crack in the rim of the soul the place where they are hungry and hurting or fearful or whatever it is, but it's finding the crack in the rim of the soul and applying the gospel healing to that place. Because if we're following the work of the Holy Spirit, which you were saying beautifully earlier, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we know that one of the things that the Holy Spirit does when he is uh, bringing someone to a place of conversion and salvation is he begins to reveal our hunger for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about is those cracks or those places where our soul is aching for the one who made us, mm-hmm. and longing to uh, be redeemed to that which we were made for. Absolutely. And two pictures that are helpful, and I'll give both of them in case you can identify with one more than the other, is 
I think about midwives and, and the role of an evangelist is really someone who comes in love and is a, a spiritual midwife to Jesus being born in you. I'm just here to help you deliver. I'm just here to help that happen from wherever you are. And so it's really this role of a servant. I think about Paul in 1 Corinthians where he says, hey, to this man, I become this. To this man, I become this because I'm just here to serve. I'm just here to meet these people wherever they are and help them get to Jesus. And so the other picture that I identify with more is think about a Sherpa, these guys that lead people on these treks up to Mount right. Everest, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that they're just there carrying all the baggage. They're there to set up camp. They're there to just make sure that these people get to the top of the mountain. And right. they they know how to get to the top because they live there. They've been there up and down uh, a thousand times. Yeah, I think about that role as a, that's helpful to me because it's a servant. It's somebody who has been there, who Jesus has already changed our lives, and he's continuing to change our lives. Yeah, And so we're very familiar with the mountain, and we're doing the heavy lifting to try to offload this burden for these people and just to walk with them. Well, what you're saying is is that Jesus is the great evangelist, not us. Absolutely. That Jesus is the one that is coming after his kids, and we're just... We're participating with what the Holy Spirit is already doing. Yeah. And what's amazing about this story is you see this guy, this Ethiopian. There's probably nobody that you could create that would be more unqualified, more outside the Jewish camp, more unexpected to have Jesus go after than this Ethiopian out in a desolate place. Oh, I love that. I just love these places in Scripture where, you know, for God, it's it's nothing but he takes so much care and so much effort to go after one. Yeah. And so many times in Jesus's ministry, that one is somebody who is totally off everybody else's radar. Yeah. I mean, what does this guy do in reading Isaiah? <laughs> like, come on. This uh, is crazy. It's almost like the Lord loves going after the most unqualified and uh, calling them sons and daughters. Yeah. And, you know, it says that this man was returning from worship. And so at least for this man, we get this picture of he is what I would call spiritually awakened. The Holy Spirit has already begun to yeah. uh, move into his life and he's now very curious and he's seeking. But, you know, because he was castrated when he goes and he's a foreigner, right? when he goes to worship, in Jerusalem, he's not allowed into the inner circle. Yeah, the outer courts. And so he's leaving an attempt to go find God confused. He's reading a piece of scripture that he doesn't understand. He wasn't allowed to get as close as the rest of the people. And he was trying to find God and might have felt like he failed. And now we see the truth is that God has actually been finding him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Matt, tell me about this passage that this Ethiopian is reading. Yeah, when the Lord first really showed this to me, it brought me to tears. He's reading this passage from Isaiah about Jesus, and I'd never drawn the connection before about this man being a castrated man, and, and this passage that he is glued to is about Jesus as the suffering servant, and it talks yeah. about him being a lot of cutting language, a lot of slaughtering and shearing and it talks about his humiliation and justice being denied him. This decision to castrate him was made on his behalf. He didn't get a say in that. And now it's led him to this life where um, he's been humiliated. And this last question of the passage, it's easy for us to miss because of the way that it's written, but it says, who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? 
And what it's talking about there is that Jesus, like this man, is not going to have any earthly lineage. And so when this man reads about Jesus, he doesn't know his name yet, but he is so hungry for Jesus because he knows that whoever this is about understands what it's like. Yeah. And he knows what it's like to suffer in the same ways that this man has spent his life suffering. I think there's a Proverbs that says that no man can know another man's sorrow in his heart. Mm. And yet Jesus is saying he does know our sorrow. Yes. And, And this is where we get back to this whole thing of reconstructing evangelism is when we're thinking clearly and we're understanding what this really is and what God's calling us to, who would not want to be the person who gets to introduce somebody who is so thirsty to this Jesus who gives us rivers of living water. Yeah. Talk to your people here for a second, Matt, as you guys are in this season of isolation and you're calling your folks to realize (laughs) that God works even in these desolate places. Yeah. He not just works in us, but he also works through us and Mm -hmm. literally brings people into our lives that he wants us to be means of grace to that he is in pursuing. Mm-hmm. What word would you have for your C5 a community? Um, beautiful words is what I have. Yeah, bring them, man. Bring those beautiful <laughs> words. Yeah, so first I would say to us, wherever you find yourself in this season, to medical professionals who are on the front lines, we have some nurses in our crew and um you know, to these people who are being exposed to disease, Jesus knows what that's like. He voluntarily took on our disease so that we could have life. And he knows what it is to struggle with that. And for the lonely, he knows what it is to be lonely. For those who are fearful, he knows what it is to be afraid. So Jesus, he knows where you are and he's been there too. And he's with you in it. And he's gone to those places, not just to say, hey, yeah, this is hard, isn't it? But he's gone to those places to give us life. And now we have life in him. And I was reading 1 Corinthians 1 the other day. We have everything we need. He is sustaining us. He's given us every good gift. And uh, so to us, I would say that is that we're not in a place of lack. We can be in a place where we are suffering, but we can bring that to Jesus knowing that he knows exactly what we're going through. Yeah, I will not be the first person to say this, but before we become participants in evangelism, we often have to evangelize ourselves. Yes. Taking what you just said and feasting on that. Because when we feast on that, it opens our eyes to see oftentimes the people that God has put around us. Mm -hmm. It gives us deep love for those people. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that you've often said is that this new campus, C5, you would love for this to be a campus that's really riding the wave of people coming to know Christ. Yes. You'd love for your congregation to be people that are wanting to know who is this Jesus or people that are new to the faith and really marked even by adult baptisms. And Yes. The fact that the Lord has decided that this is the season that you're going to plant this church and that this is you're the person and this community of leaders are the people that he's using means this is the perfect storm for just that. Yes. The call would be in this season to believe that the Holy Spirit is with you and he is leading and he is hearing you when you ask him things. And so be bold and be specific and ask God to show you who are you moving me toward and what do you want me to do when I get there? Help me to be open to your leading and to see what you have for me here. It's good, brother. 
Yeah. Well, we've come to the end of our time, Matt, and I uh, really appreciate the work that you're doing uh, to continue to encourage this community of folks. And we deeply love all those that count themselves a part of the C5 and would love for you to pray for them uh, to conclude our time. Yeah, I'd love to. Father, we come to you and we are so little. This season is reminding us of just how little and fragile we are. But Lord, you're, you're with us and nothing has changed. You are with us. You are in us. You are leading us to good and beautiful places. And Father, you are inviting us into the lives, into the orbits of people who are lost and lonely and hurting and who are looking for you, but they don't know your name yet. And so, Father, I pray that you would awaken our hearts, desires for you, Lord, that you would continue to kill off our idols in these other places that we go to to make our life okay and show us that those are dead ends so that we can seek you. Lord, we were made for you and ask that you would lead us to you, to living water, that we would would be enjoying uh, rivers of living water so that we could turn and be vessels to pour rivers of living water into the lives of these people that you put in our lives. So Lord, for this season, I pray that you would remind us that we can come to you with all of our fear, all of our frustration, all of our anxiety, and give that to you and receive life. And Lord, I ask that you would put in our hearts just a, a burning desire to to love and serve and walk with and engage with these people that you've put in our lives, whether it's family members or neighbors, or people who uh, we're picking up the phone and calling, Lord, that, that you would lead us to be intentional about walking through this season with the people that you've, you've brought us to. And uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Randy. <laughs>